This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shawik. If you're struggling with your mental health, you've probably considered or heard of the idea of seeing a mental health professional, whether it's a counsellor, a clinical psychologist, or maybe even a psychiatrist. But making that decision to get help isn't easy, and it can be very daunting if you don't actually know where to start. So on our new series, My Mind and Me, we'll be exploring how you can take that first step in seeking mental health care. And in our first episode, I'm joined by Professor Dr. Albin Ng, founding president of the Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychologists. And we'll be discussing and finding out more from him how you can find a qualified and trusted mental health care professional. Prof. Alvin, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And thank you very much for having me. Happy New Year. So Happy New Year. On this note, I guess, of New Year, New Me, that people, um, you know, uh, I, I, I guess there's something wrong with that because... Um, some people use that as motivation mm. to do something that uh, perhaps they have found difficult mm-hmm. or never got around to doing mm-hmm. uh, before this, right? So, in that vein, I suppose, in that spirit, uh, let's explore this issue of seeking uh, mental health help and mm-hmm. support. But um, when? When would someone need to seek mental health help? Do you need to wait until you're really struggling and you're desperate and you're hopeless and you're in a crisis? Well, the answer is anytime. You know, I would equate mental health with dental health. Mm-hmm. Something that people tend to go, you know, cover their mouth. But also just change one letter, right? (laughs) Yeah, just change one letter. You know, people will go for dental checkups to ensure that their dental health is okay. And as soon as you have some kind of, you know, niggling pain in your, your mouth, in your teeth, your gum, you would go seek help. You don't want to wait until your teeth rot and that you are in excruciating pain. You want to do something about it immediately. So same thing with your mental health. If you struggle, you feel like you're struggling, you're stuck, you don't quite know what to do, go seek professional help. And it's very okay to do that. Also, I would want to encourage people to think about thriving. Don't wait until you're languishing or you know you feel stuck or you struggle too much. You might want to also prevent that from happening by also seeing a mental health professional. Mm. A professional is not there to just treat um, disorders. They're also there to help you flourish. Mm. So not just towards the negative end of things, That's right. but are you achieving the positive end of things? Correct. And to remain positive and to remain um, adaptive, and to as much as possible prevent any unhealthy consequence. Mm. So what are some things that perhaps I should be asking myself or or reflecting or exploring within myself if I'm still unsure? Um, and what are some issues that I need to be looking at within myself? Well, I guess what you can ask yourself is whether you currently have enough resources to find solutions. Usually, we tend to talk to friends, family, <laughs> we go online, uh, we look for all kinds of stuff, uh, and sometimes we don't quite know how to select a solution. And when, when that happens, you need to ask for extra help, and that's where professionals can come in. So identifying whether or not you have any 
form of solution can be helpful. Or if you are still not too sure, just see one anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just like how sometimes you feel that you have got, uh, I mean, in this day and age with COVID being around, you know, any slight discomfort in your throat, you probably go, oh, oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay, sh- shall, I, shall I do something about it? Shall I see, see, see someone? And you go see a doctor to get it checked out and it's okay, fine. Um, you know, at least you get it addressed. Mm. Speaking of going online, um, mm-hmm. that's where everybody's spending their time now, <laughs> especially on social media. And I think there's a tendency for us to then compare ourselves to what we see of others and their curated lives mm. on social media, right? So is it helpful to do that? Um, so I guess, is, is have you observed this? Uh, what have you observed of social media? Is it helping people to... Mm-hmm find solutions, like you said, Mm -hmm. or to look within themselves, or is it actually doing more harm? Well, uh, it's it's both. It can be helpful, it can also be unhelpful, meaning it can be harmful, it can be healthy. So healthy is when you look online, you find solutions, and you get inspired by people who perhaps are successful, people who have gone through difficulties and sought help and are successful, you know, you can be inspired to to do something about it. But at the same time, you can also feel intimidated. You can feel by comparing yourself with them, you think, oh, wow, they're so successful. I can never be like them. Oh, they're so successful. I'm nothing. You, you start condemning yourself. That's not healthy. So if you find yourself doing that, you might want to look at the bigger picture, uh, and to understand what might be, what might have helped them be more successful, look at some of the steps that you might want to take also to help yourself rather than to condemn yourself. Um, because you know, I like the way you said uh, what manicured was it? Uh, curated. Curated, right? yes. Mm. <laughs> but yes, a well manicured life. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, curated life. Because you know, if you look at super successful people who are, you know, key opinion leaders, YouTubers, you know, it, they, they don't do it alone. You know, they've got a whole team behind them. If you have followed, uh, for example, K-pop star around Gangnam, for example, <laughs> you have hairdressers, you got makeup artists following them all around to ensure that it look really good. Um, and we don't have that. So, you know, of course, we look like the way we look. So, yes, uh, be careful when you compare yourself with others. You know, if you want to do it, uh, well, try as much as possible to allow it to help you. Mm, rather than um, seeing how negative you are mm-hmm. or deficient you are compared mm, and to And if them. you do feel that you're deficient, then think about what you can do mm. about it. So speaking of what you can do, when we talk about um, mental health professionals, there are these terms mm-hmm. uh, and these different people working in that space. Mm-hmm. So um, if I can offer three terms, counsellors, clinical psychologists mm-hmm. and psychiatrists, right. how are they different? Okay. Well, counsellors, clinical psychologists and psychiatrists, they are all professional mental health uh, providers. Right. So counsellors essentially are professionals who are trained at least at a master's level in Malaysia uh, in the art and the skills and the competencies of counselling, um, mainly focused on day-to-day adjustment difficulties, relationship difficulties, um, or even like mild depression um, and these professionals have to be registered under the Malaysian Board of Counselors, all right, or the Maga Counselor Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So they need to be registered. They need to be, I mean, in order for them to be registered, they need to be qualified at least at the master's level. Um, so they provide counselling 
They are nice, fluffy people who listen to you and help you um, find solutions or at least to address uh, your concerns. Uh, so they're there to listen and that's what counselling is about. Whereas clinical psychologists are non-medical professionals who come from the psych uh, background of psychology, undergraduate psychology, who then uh, go on to do a postgraduate degree in clinical psychology. And this postgraduate degree has to be a professional postgraduate degree, either at a master's level or for some countries such as the US, UK, Canada and New Zealand, you need to have a doctorate mm -hmm. in clinical psychology. Mm. Right? Um, so how they're different from counsellors is that they predominantly focus on psychological testing. So their main competency that is different from counsellors uh, is that clinical psychologists are able to do psychological testing. They are also able to provide um, psychotherapy, so quite similar to counselling, uh, but they tend to focus more on the behavioural part because that's, that's uh, when you apply psychology, you look into that. Plus, uh, what's different in clinical psychologists is that their training involves studying about psychological disorders. This may surprise some people to think, aren't counsellors also trained in that? Not so. If you look into their curriculum, psychological disorders are not taught very much. I mean, they don't go so deep into it, so they don't quite know um, what the diagnoses are, how, how they are made and how they are treated. Right. So clinical psychologists tend to see uh, clients or patients who have got mild to moderate to severe uh, mental health uh, conditions. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they tend to work closely with psychiatrists to manage psychiatric patients, mm. which means they work in a clinical setting, in a hospital setting. Mm. Right. So that's counsellors and clinical psychologists. Psychiatrists are medical professionals. These are medical doctors who go on to do a master's in psychological medicine or psychiatry so that they are trained in prescribing medication to treat mental illness. And they also work closely with a team of um, psychologists, uh, mental health nurses to, to manage um, patients in psychiatry. Can psychiatrists do the kind of um, therapies, the psychological therapies mm. that clinical psychologists do? Yes, they can. Uh, they may also have competencies in providing psychotherapy. Uh, if they have uh, that extra training, they are already given some basic training in, in um, psychiatry training, but they, they tend to not do so much of therapy uh, in, in their work because, mm -hmm. well, you know, lots of patients to see. And when you prescribe, it's, it's kind of easy that way you see more patients. Uh, and usually the therapy is, is, I mean, is done by the psychologist. So the psychiatrist would refer their patient to a psychologist. Or if they feel that, you know, it can be handled by a counsellor, then they'll send to a counsellor if the problem is more to mild or moderate. Mm. So for an individual sort of thinking of who to go to, mm -hmm. do we look at it as um, a tiered, like I see a counsellor first mm -hmm. and then I go upwards? Or how does it work? I, I, would, I would see a counsellor first because, you know, you don't quite know how severe you are, you know, rather than going straight to a psychologist, uh, which is not easy to find. And if you can find one, they tend to have quite a long waiting list because they're not that many at all in Malaysia, only mm -hmm. about 400 or less. Uh, I would go and see a counsellor first so that, you know, you, you talk about what might be, um, you know, you're concerned about and what, what could help. If the counsellor feels that you may benefit from medication, they might refer you to a psychiatrist to get uh, evaluated. And they may even refer you to a clinical psychologist to, to get assessed. 
Mm. Some uh, websites of mental health providers, we've also seen them uh, talking about mental health therapists or mm-hmm. counselling psychologists. How right. are these different? Right. Okay. So, uh, firstly, the term mental health therapist is a very general one. Uh, it could mean psychiatrist, counsellor, clinical psychologist, or even counselling psychologist that is not a counsellor. So when you see the term psychologist, they are trained in psych- psychological testing. When you see, a, when you see the term counsellor, uh, they are trained in counselling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so strictly speaking, counsellors are not counselling psychologists. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, they all can be mental health therapists because they are trained in providing therapy. So that's an umbrella. Term. It's an umbrella. Mm-hmm. So you may even have community mental health nurses who are called mental health therapists. You can have social workers. You can have uh, occupational therapists. And even play therapists, all of them come under mental health therapies. Mm. So you need to find out from them what their actual competencies are and what they're qualified in. Okay. A counselling psychologist, does that mean you're trained in both then? Counselling and, and psychology? Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, you are basically trained as a clinical psychologist, just that your clientele, uh, where you work, is not in a clinical setting, which means you don't work at a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, you work within the community, you provide psychological assessments to people who have mild to moderate symptoms, um, and you may also provide counselling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll continue this conversation uh, when we come back from the break. We're discussing how to find a trusted mental health professional today. Uh, We've talked about some terms that you need to be familiar with. And next, we'll go on to learn how to be more savvy in terms of making sure you're going to a properly licensed mental health professional. I'm speaking today to Professor Dr. Alvin Ng, founding president of the Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychology for our new series, my mind and me. Stay tuned to Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. On our new series, My Mind and Me, we'll be exploring how to take the first step in seeking mental health care. Joining me on the show today, Professor Dr. Elvin Ng, founding president of the Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychology. And something that's really stuck in my mind uh, from the earlier part of the show is that... um, he compared mental health to dental health. And you don't wait until your teeth are rotting and falling out and you have cavities burning through your gums before you seek a dentist. So why would you do the same for your mental well-being, right? So the moment you feel like um, you are struggling a little bit or even if you feel like you're not thriving as you should be, that is a, already a good uh, motivation to go and seek mental health um, professional help. We've also talked about who are the mental health professionals uh, in the space out there. Uh, and so, you know, with we, we, we're also seeing... Um, we're seeing the services being made available, obviously, at the government um, health facilities, mm-hmm. um, but also uh, in the private centres. A lot of private mental health facilities are popping up. We see a lot of perhaps advertisements or um, you know these kinds of things popping up on social media as well. So I think I want to get into what do we need to know to check that the counsellor or clinical psychologist or psychiatrist is somebody who is qualified and licensed um, to mm-hmm. be doing what their job scope actually should be. Right. Yeah, good one. That one. For, for counsellors, it's pretty easy. They need to be able to show you that they are registered 
with the uh, Malaysian Board of Councillors or Lembaga Councillor Malaysia, and they should have um, a license number, right? And they, they would have something that's called KBPA, that's Councillor Berdafta, uh, um, um and they should be able to show you their, their license. It's quite easy. And you can even go into the Board of Councillors uh, website. There's a whole list of registered counsellors there. Mm -hmm. You can just you know check out if their name is there. Mm -hmm. For clinical psychologists, we are only just starting to register them under the Allied Health Professions Act 2016. And this is under the Allied Health Professions Council. That's also represented um, by the Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychology. Um, so you can feel safe enough if you can find um, the psychologist that you're thinking of seeing uh, on the list of members uh, in MSCP, the Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychology. Because um, at least if they are registered and if they misbehave, they are accountable to the actions and we can take action. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they're not, who knows, they could still be... Um, genuine psychologists, mm -hmm. but the thing is we cannot take action against non-members. But um, coming very soon, hopefully by 2024, anyone who calls themselves a clinical psychologist have to be registered under the Allied Health Professions Act. So ensure that they're registered. Mm -hmm. For psychiatrists, it's, it's even easier because they are medical doctors. Uh, make sure that they are registered under the Malaysian Medical Council mm -hmm. um, and they should have a license to practice. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are the concerns though if uh, somebody happens to see uh, unknowingly, right, mm -hmm. an unlicensed and unregistered mental health provider mm -hmm. uh, depending on which, which regulatory body that you're talking about? Mm -hmm. What are the dangers there? Well, the, the danger is that, like what I said earlier, uh, they're not accountable to, to what they do. Um, you know, for all you know, it's okay because you, you may get better, but in case you don't, no action can be taken and you would have wasted your money. Because mm -hmm. there are instances where, um, you know, some professionals misbehave and they get kind of sued and uh, patients get to get their money back. You know, at least you, you earn back whatever you've spent, you know, when um, there is any... I guess you can say uh, professional malpractice, mm. right? But when they're not registered, you, you can't do anything. Um, secondly, if they're not registered, it may also mean they're not allowed to register because they're unqualified. So you might be putting yourself in danger. No matter how good they sound, um, you know, um, these people who market themselves, um, the thing is, if they, they sound too good to be true, they're likely to be false. <laughs> you know, you know one, one might wonder, well, they're not... Uh, okay, let's say uh, if we put aside the psychiatrist, mm -hmm. um, the counsellors or psychologists are not prescribing medicines anyway. So one might ask, well, there's no real physical danger then, mm -hmm. right? But uh, what are the actual harms that you could see? Okay, well, I'll put it this way. First thing is before you go into any kind of treatment, there should be some form of assessment, right? So um, assessments also need to be valid. If someone uses an assessment that is not valid on you and claim it to be valid, then the kinds of results that they get may not properly inform the kinds of treatment you should get. Right, because I've uh, heard of a practitioner using a, a dyslexia test to diagnose attention deficit disorder. Mm -hmm. Obviously not right, but you know if you're not in a know, you know you don't question uh, the practitioner enough, you won't know that that kind of injustice is being done to you. Uh, 
So, you know... Um, so the actual underlying problem mm-hmm. is not identified and therefore not addressed. Correct. Or you are totally misdiagnosed. Mm. And, you know, um, too, too often also I, I've heard of, um, you know, people being diagnosed within five minutes. And that, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, there's no such thing as a look-see diagnosis. You look at someone and then, aha, you look like someone with depression. So you have to be depressed. Mm-hmm. I put depression on your, on your uh, diagnostic, diagnosis. So that's a red flag right there. That's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too, too quick, too easy, mm-hmm. too, too overly expert kind mm-hmm. of um, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, moving a little bit away from mental health professionals, mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of... Uh, and I'm going to put this in, uh, you know, air quotes, alternative healers out there as well. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about completely not the psychological stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, tarot card reading, mm. right? Energy healers. Yeah, angel they, therapy. Yes, <laughs> whatever that is. Yes. And they're going into the mental health space because mm-hmm. they claim to be able to help you resolve yeah. your mental and emotional mm-hmm. issues. What are your concerns with that? Well, um, I would play it safe, you know, if they do have tons of research evidence to support what they do, tons of rigorous research evidence, sure, why not? If they don't, you may still try out if you feel that, you know, they make sense to you. But you need to also accept that uh, there's a risk of things not working and there's also a risk of harm. Um, you know, it's just like any medication also, you know, when the uh, COVID vaccine first came out, a lot of people were very, very reluctant. Some people are still reluctant. Um, but that's what, that's uh, how medicine works or does not work, you know. you It's based on um, research and it's never 100%. Do you think mental health is something people, you know, play loose and fast with compared mm-hmm. to physical health? A little bit yeah, I would, I would think so because it's unseen, you mm-hmm. know, it's still pretty mysterious. So, you know, it's good to, to, I think, educate the public about different kinds of psychological um, disorders because they have been researched for a very long time and we know how they are. Um, we know what works and what doesn't work. Um, so it's, it's about education mm-hmm. and, and learning more about it. So, again, also... Um any alternative healer who doesn't come under, let's say, the counsellor's board mm. or the Malaysian Society of mm. Clinical Psychology or our National Specialist Register, mm-hmm. the problem is that they won't be held accountable, right? Yeah, well, we do have an alternative medicine um, council or something like that within the Ministry of Health. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I, I would think that these healers mm-hmm. don't even fall under that, no, they don't. that space. Yeah, so you're taking a risk. Um, for all you know, it does work, but we have no explanation, which means we're not able to measure whether it is really effective. Mm. Uh, it could be just placebo. We don't know. So it's, it's your own subjective, um, I suppose, interpretation. So um, besides checking the credentials of a mental health professional mm-hmm. to make sure you're seeing the right person, mm-hmm. um, what are some other factors that we should consider when we're looking in terms of which centre or which person to go to? Mm-hmm. Well, I will look at uh, how transparent they are about their methods, their qualifications, their licensing, um, and whether they've got access to um, updated research literature that inform their method. They need to be able to share with you immediately 
how they do all these things and why, how, how can they justify their methods. There's nothing to, to hide, basically. You want to be looking for that. Um, you want to also uh, look at whether you are able to accept their methods. How, Maybe, yeah. hmm? Can you give an example? How would you ask? And I think an individual may feel a bit intimidated mm-hmm. if I have to question mm-hmm. somebody who's supposedly the professional, right? Yeah. How would you broach that? Yeah, you can always say, please, please tell me a bit about your, your qualification. How do you qualify? What, what are you? Are you a counsellor? Are, are you a clinical psychologist? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, how, how do we know you are qualified? Are you registered somewhere that we can check? Um, how, how do you work? What's, what's your method? What's your approach? Um, they may say, oh, I use uh, cognitive behavior therapy. And you go, what's that? And they are able to explain to you in a way that you understand. They are able to, uh, you can even ask, you know, how, how does this work? Is there anything that I can refer to that may help me understand better? Mm. And what do you mean by uh, research base? You know, what, what can tell me if this particular method is good for this particular diagnosis? For example, if I've got depression, why is it that you recommend cognitive behavior therapy over something else, for example? You know, they should be able to show you, well, look at this uh, study in 2020. I found this and this. It seems to work on more people than not. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can give it a try. They can also, uh, they should also be able to talk to you about alternatives, other options. For example, you may want to look into uh, mindfulness-based therapy instead Mm -hmm. uh, or acceptance and commitment therapy um, and show how how they work and tell you about what's required of you. You know, because mm. you have to do the work. You're not just listening to them, right? Yeah, it's not just about talk therapy where you talk, they listen, they tell you something, you get words of wisdom and ta-da, magic, things happen. It's more to you understanding what's going on and what you are able to do, mm. uh, what kind of actions you can take and practice, practice, practice mm. um, before getting better. It's not about feeling better, it's about getting better and they should be able to tell you how this mechanism works how um, how much you're involved in it and what the plan is like based on how they um, formulate your problem. Mm, okay. Um, cost, I think, is mm. something that I'd like to look at a little bit. Uh, what do we need to know about the cost of seeking mental health help? Mm-hmm. How do we find out that information mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how much it would, uh, you know, we mm-hmm. would actually have to fork out? Yep. Um, yeah, what are the factors we need to consider there? Well, cost would not just be how much you need to pay per hour for, for therapy. Um, if you need medication, that's also a lot of cost. If you go into private, medication can be very, very expensive because you need to take it for quite some time, about two to three years. So talk to your mental health provider about, about the cost. Think also about access. How long will it take to get you to, to see them? Mm. You know, transport, parking, things like right. that. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's cost. Time uh, is part of cost. So, of course, in private, you know, more expensive. I'd uh, be paying, for example, between 150 to three, 400 per hour kind of thing uh, for about 8 to 12 sessions before you actually um, start getting better. Or think about 20, 20 sessions max before you evaluate if you're really not getting better. Other 20 sessions, you probably want to think, is this person right for me? <laughs> you know, right. Is this method right for me? And is that okay? That's um, okay. Does it mean that there's been a failure in this process? Um, yeah, and the failure can be in, in all kinds of things. You know, you could have the best therapist, you're the best patient, it's the best method, 
but you are in the middle of a war, for example, or the, a workplace that's super toxic that you cannot run away from. Just like major conflict that's yeah, still there, right? It's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so or it could be the method. Maybe it just doesn't It just doesn't suit you. Maybe it's you, you just uh, unable to commit to the change. Uh, it could also be the therapist. Um, so there's a lot of things that, you know, if, if you find that things are not really changing, I would say uh, even after 10 sessions, you need to reevaluate mm. and speak with your therapist about it. Do not be shy to bring things up. Mm. Um, I think as Asians, we tend to be a bit shy, a yes. bit intimidated. But hey, you're paying for this, right? It's your life. You you need to take charge. Mm. Um so yeah, uh, reevaluate. It's okay to see somebody else, and sometimes the therapist might even tell you, "Hey, look, you know, I've been seeing you for twenty sessions. It doesn't seem that you're getting better. All the tests that we have done on you, nothing seems to be improving. I'm not sure whether you want to still continue seeing me. You know, I would like that kind of uh, uh, Open, you know, yeah. openness because mm-hmm. then it then tells me that perhaps this person is is not uh, good for me." Uh, I have referred people on before mm-hmm. when when things don't don't improve. Yeah. Um, some mental health providers, um, you know, they have uh, trainee psychologists or trainee counselors, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, their services are at a slightly lower um, cost. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean it's still okay to see a trainee? Yeah, sure. It's okay to see trainees. I mean, I like seeing trainees too because, <laughs> you know, sometimes they've got a, a fresher perspective. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying it's okay to see trainees because it's a professional training and they would have a supervisor. Uh, their supervisor should be senior enough to to supervise them. Mm. If you're unsure, ask to speak with a supervisor and share your concerns. Mm. Also, ask the supervisor about their own training. And if you have a concern, you feel that you're not comfortable, that's fine, go somewhere else. All right. We'll take another quick break and uh, continue this conversation to now look at um, accessing uh, these services, where to go, how to even find a healthcare, a mental health care provider in the first place, both in public as well as the private sector. I'm speaking today to Professor Dr. Elvin Ng, founding president of the Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychology. It's for our series, My Mind and Me. How do you find a trusted mental health professional? Stay tuned to Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik, and my guest, Professor Dr. Elvin Ng, founding president of the Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychology. It's our series, My Mind and Me, a short series that um, explores how you can seek mental health care, the practical aspects of it, if you will. Today, it's about finding the right mental health professional for you, when you need to go, who is the person you need to see, and now, where do you go? So um, let's look at the public healthcare system first, mm-hmm. Prof. Elvin. Where do we start in terms of public healthcare? Right. When it comes to mental health, um, for say our um, government hospitals or clinic, you need to get a GP's referral. Uh, general practitioner doctor's referral to see the psychologist or the psychiatrist mm. or even the counsellor. Right. But usually counsellors are under the psychiatric department or the psychology department. You still need uh, a referral, a referral letter. letter. Yeah. Will, uh, so uh, a GP clinic or will a clinic kesehatan do as well? Uh, clinic kesehatan definitely mm-hmm. uh, because it's in government. Uh, private GP clinic uh, is okay mm-hmm. as well. They are recognised. Mm. So you yeah. need that referral letter. That's right. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's a bit of a run around. 
And we also hope that GPs, when, when you know, people go to them, they actually give a referral letter because there have been some cases where GPs say, ah, you're fine, you don't need to go and see. Uh, we so hope GPs that doesn't don't need to do that psychological assessment. It, it's for them to refer on to somebody who will actually carry out the assessment, right? Yeah, well, it would help if the GP is able to do some kind of basic assessment so that in their uh, referral letter, they mm-hmm. can provide information that may be helpful. Right. Rather than to say, dear psychologist, Please see so and so. Please do the needful. Mm. It doesn't tell the the psychologist very much at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, any other sort of you know logistical details that we need to be aware of? Um, you know, uh, where which kinds of government hospitals and clinics mm. can we find counselors, psychologists, right. and psychiatrists? Well, basically, all um, government hospitals would have counselors. There are less psychologists. No, from what I know, there are only about thirty-five clinical psychologists in the whole country oh. within the uh, Ministry of Health. Uh, mostly in KL, uh, it's Ipoh, Penang. I think there's one in Malacca, Kuching, KK. Um, clearly so, not enough. Clearly not enough. Mm. Uh, so, main hospitals. Uh, if you're not too sure, you can always, um, well, I guess calling them might be a bit difficult mm. <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, in, in hospital KL, definitely. Um, but they would have counsellors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can ask for a referral. All right. Okay. Um, obviously, uh, the services, if it's at a government facility, mm-hmm. will be free or, or subsidized. Yeah, almost free. I think you need to pay a certain amount of like registration fee, and mm-hmm. after that, it's okay. Um, for easier access, it just occurred to me. Uh, there's also Mentari. There are Mentari centers. These are uh, community centers that address um, mental health problems. You can walk in. Mm-hmm. Where are they? Well, I think if you look at our Ministry of Health website, they should have a list of Mentari centres. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, do You don't need a referral letter no, for the Mentari No, you don't need to walk in and ask for help. I see. All right. Um, we have heard that Clinic Mentari may only accept patients who have been previously treated at government facilities first. Mm. Is that still the case? Uh, in terms of treatment, yes, I suppose. They, I mean, from my understanding, they provide those kind of follow-up um, help mm. and, and treatment because we try to focus more on um, community mental health rather than you know hospital based because we want to reduce the stigma. So if you've initially been in a government facility, mm-hmm. um, they will then sort of. Uh, pass you on to the community clinics That's right. because you can be managed That's right. just as well yeah. there. At the same time, Mentari centres can also help uh, anyone who walk in who, who would have any help, uh, mm-hmm. need for, for help. Um, if they don't have a counsellor there, um, or I mean, I'm sure they do have someone there who's able to help. They may provide some very basic mental health and psychosocial support and then maybe refer them on to see a counsellor. At least it is the, the initial um, access. So this is how our government is trying to improve access to any kind of psychological help. Mm. Now, uh, if you chose to go to the private side instead, how mm-hmm. would I even begin looking for a mental health provider? 
well, um, if it's a psychologist, you can go online on um, the Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychologists uh, website. There's a whole list of service providers. If uh, I mean, not all of them, like myself, I'm listed, but I'm not providing service, so you don't get any of my contact numbers and how to contact me. Mm. But there are those who are on the list who are providing service. You can contact any one of them. Mm. For counsellors, you can go to the Lembaga Counsellors uh, website. They have got a whole list of thousands of counsellors. You mm-hmm. um, can look for them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, psychiatrists will be based in hospitals mm-hmm. or, or clinics. You can just Google them. Um, and one thing good about Google is you also have got reviews, but you can't trust reviews too much also because, you know, people who are desperate for business would get people to write nice reviews. Mm. <laughs> um, so like you said earlier, um, you might want to look out for red flags that right. this is not necessarily um, a trusted perhaps, or a trustworthy provider. You talked about, you know, um, the, the kinds of questions that mm. you should be asking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what kinds of assessments, uh, where are you registered? Um, yep. Any other red flags that you want to bring yeah, up? Yeah, um, what comes to mind would be a very long list of credentials. You only need to have two or three qualifications. You know, like me, I've got a bachelor's degree. I've, I've got a doctoral degree in, in clinical psychology. That's it, you know. Um, my... Other qualification is on teaching and learning. That's not relevant. And that's all I need. Um, you need to have a bachelor's degree and a master's in counseling, for example. That's all you need. But you've got like double, triple, quadruple PhDs. Um, I would stay away because, you know, you've got that many qualifications. It means you are not as well trained because <laughs> you're trained in so many other stuff. Um, yes, yeah, so red flags would be long list of credentials, tons of testimonies. You know, if you're good, you're good. People will, will talk about you. You don't need testimonies to, to bring people in. A long list of competencies. You can treat everything under the sun. Also, please stay away. There's only so much a person can, can be good at. Mm. right? Um, and they should be able to tell you, okay, well, like for me, if you come to me with an eating disorder, I'll say, I'm sorry, I'm not a person to see. I'll refer you on. Mm. Yeah, and that's okay. Um, so, yes, long list of qualifications. and Everything that sounds too good to be true, Too right? good to be true, yes. And even... If they don't have a long list, they may have a very, I guess you can say generic type qualification. They put PhD, UK. They don't even put the name of the institution. Mm. To me, that's, that's kind of uh, suspicious. All right. you, know, you can question that. Oh, you did your PhD in the UK. Where? Mm-hmm. In what? In, um, in what? Yeah. Um, and is your PhD a professional one? See, that's the uh, thing that a lot of people don't know about. When you do a PhD, it doesn't mean that you're a professional could be a purely research PhD. It doesn't make you a professional. Mm. So you might want to question that. Mm. Um, and even if they give you a fancy name of an institution, go Google it. Is it legit? Because mm. there are tons of institutions out there that are diploma males that even a cat can, can get qualified um, at. So um, these days, it's so easy to, to just Google the, the qualification. Because I've caught quite a few people who claim to have um, degrees from certain places and when you check those places out they come from some shop house mm. <laughs> somewhere it's, mm. it's very easy to find out mm. so yes do your homework and if you find that someone who's Malaysian and, and their degree is from somewhere obscure like central Nicaragua why would a Malaysian go all the way to the study like for example clinical psychology that's, that's a bit suspicious to me mm. I mean it could be legit but you might want to question them mm. Yeah. So, yes, um, be savvy. Again, if you're not too sure, ask the authorities. Mm. 
write to the authorities, uh, Malaysian Psychiatric Association, uh, Lembaga Counselor Malaysia, and there's also MSCP, Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychology, that I've mentioned many times already. <laughs> and that website is uh, mscp.my. Correct. Uh, I think that's a good starting point yes. when it comes to clinical psychologists. Mm -hmm. Just very quickly, um, a lot of mental health providers now also say, and I think this uh, was... Uh, really took off during COVID as well. Um, we can do uh, consultations online. We can mm -hmm. do tele mental health counseling, yes. right? Um, is that really advisable in terms of mental health care? Yes, yes. It's it's found to be very helpful. Um, many studies have shown that it's just as helpful as face to face um, therapy. I will go for it. If you're not too sure, um, if you don't mind me, you know, um, advertising my own book, which is free. <laughs> it's not for sale it's free uh, it's co-authored with me and, and a friend of mine it's called Reaching Out so just look for Reaching Out by Elvin Ng and Ellen White E-L-L-E-N Ellen W-H-Y-T-E uh, we decided to make it free so that everyone can access it mm -hmm. uh, we have got some tips in there on how you might want to look for um, yeah, tele-mental health services I see is, is privacy something that we need to be concerned about yes with of course yeah. how, how do we protect ourselves well the thing is you, you need to en ensure that the, the therapist you know is alone no one else is watching, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that's always a concern. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it, it's something that you, you need to speak with your, your therapist about, you know, what are some of the things that's in place. And again, they need to be very transparent about their, their service, how they work. Mm -hmm. And if anything goes wrong, what are the steps that you can take as a user, as a client, so that it protects you as well. Mm -hmm. So all these things need to be covered. Mm. Um, before before you start, any kind of uh, concern from you needs to be addressed. Mm. And yeah. if they are not willing to address it, ding ding, another red flag, yes. right? Yeah. Um, let's wrap up, uh, Prof. Elvin. I, I guess uh, just a bit of a bigger picture. We zoom out and look at the idea and perhaps some barriers that people may still be facing when they want to take all these steps that we've talked about. Stigma, I think, um, mm. is still a main barrier. Mm -hmm. um, can you help to put at ease, you know, any misconceptions about seeking mental health help mm -hmm. so that everyone is clear that there's nothing wrong with it? Yeah. Well, there is stigma from others and there's also self-stigma. And one of the things to do first is to break your self-stigma. Because there's always this fear that if I ask for help, if I look for help, and people know that I'm seeking help, I might lose more friends. Um, that's very untrue. You may lose friends, okay, fine, but those are the people that you probably can do without. <laughs> and and um, I'm, I'm happy enough to speak on radio to say that I too seek help and I am a clinical psychologist. Mm -hmm. Why do I seek help? Because I know it works. Mm -hmm. And if I want to get better, I seek help. Unfriend me? Sure, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, it, it works for me and I hope that, you know, people would uh, go for help as well. And don't wait until you start looking like a depressed person because mental illness has a face. That face looks just like you and me. And also, please don't tell others not to seek help because you don't really know what they're going through. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm even a, a victim of that. I went to a doctor to ask for a referral and the doctor asked me what I do. I said, well, I'm a lecturer. Uh, what do you lecture in? I said, psychology. Oh, so why do you need help? <laughs> so I had to educate the doctor. Mm. 
yeah, um, it's not easy, but it takes practice and, and let's break that stigma. All right. And remember, mental health is like dental health. <laughs> exactly. And for me, floss my and brush also, twice a day. <laughs> floss and brush twice a day, three times if you must. Um, and if you are a mental health professional, remember, even dentists don't drill their own teeth. And on that note, Professor Dr. Elvin Ng, founding president of the Malaysian Society of Clinical Psychology, helping us understand how to take that first step in seeking mental health help and finding a trusted mental health professional. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.